they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. We're here. We're here. Hey, I just want to remind people that we just finished an hour interview with Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life. I go back when, all the way back to his seminary days with him, and I just want to encourage you, you could listen to it on our podcast and pass it on to people because we're really trying to help people understand the value of life. Mm-hmm. And Priest for Life is really doing a great job. And Amen. the unplanned movie, Father Frank had all kinds of contact with Gabby. Uh, Abby Johnson on, you know, her conversion. So you might want to re-listen to that on a podcast. But my love, we're here. uh, We're talking about the Bible with the barbers, and I'm all ears. Awesome. Well, today we're going to just look at the gospel reading reading for today, which is today's Tuesday of Holy Week. Mm -hmm. The reading is from the Gospel of St. John. It's chapter 13. Yep. And um, in this reading, it says, Reclining at table with his disciples, Jesus was deeply troubled and testified, Amen, amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another at a loss to whom he meant. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter nodded to him to find out whom he meant. He leaned back against Jesus' chest and said to him, Master, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I hand the morsel after I dipped it. So he dipped the morsel and handed it to Judas Iscariot, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After Judas took the morsel, Satan entered him. So Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now, none of those reclining at table realized why Jesus said this to him. Some of them thought that since Judas kept the money bag, Jesus had told him, buy what was needed for the feast or give something to the poor. So Judas took the morsel and left at once. And it was night. When he had left, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go you cannot come, so now I say it to you. Simon Peter said to him, Master, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Master, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I say to you, the cock will not crow before you deny me three times. The word of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So here they are. This is the Last Supper it's the night before he's going to die, and he tells them someone's going to betray him. And everybody's like, oh, well, oh who would do this? We, would we do this? Would one of us really do this? And they're all deeply, and it's interesting because they're all concerned that it may be themselves. And so 
John is sitting next to Jesus, and he lays his head on Jesus' breast because Peter's like, Peter's on the other side, and he motions to John. Find out who this is, you know? And so Jesus gives, tells, John says, who is it, Lord? And Jesus gives, takes a piece of bread, and he says, the one to whom I give the morsel that I dip in the dish. Now, again, John doesn't fully understand what Jesus is doing, and I don't mm-hmm. think he fully un- understands the ramifications. But Jesus is indicating to him beforehand who the traitor is, and when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, the fullness of all this reality will unfold and become evident to them. But John is recording what happened in the, in the instance. And Jesus says to Judas as he hands him the feast, and it's interesting that Jesus gives the morsel to Judas, and then it says Satan entered him. Mm-hmm. And so um, Satan entered him. Why does Satan enter us? Or how can Satan enter us? Mm-hmm. When we give him permission by consenting to mortal sin. Mm-hmm. When we reject the Lord and his ways. That's it. When we consent to serious moral evil, which, by the way, is any deliberate, willful um, breaking of the Ten Commandments that would be, there's the attitude in us that the law doesn't apply to me or I have no concern for the law. That's serious moral evil. The Ten Commandments are all serious moral evil. Now, every breaking of it, one of those commandments is not necessarily serious moral evil, depending on the age of the person, their ability to understand and Etc. For instance, you know, to steal a, a pack of gum from the store right. is not as grave as to steal. By the way, what if you were to steal $25 from a starving man? That's big. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Now, if you embezzle $1,000, $10,000, that's huge too, because mm-hmm. now you're stealing on a massive scale. Right. You know, it's not the same as taking a pack of gum from the store, but that right. doesn't make taking the pack of gum no. right. Any stealing, is, any sin is offensive to God because yeah. God is all good. But Judas has gone further. He allows Satan to enter into his heart. And it's interesting because as he gives him the morsel, then Jesus tells Judas, what you are about to do, do quickly. Jesus knows what Judas is about to do. He's about to go and get 30 pieces of silver from the chief priests to look for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. And then he goes out and John adds on, and it was night. It's like, well, John, we already know it's night. It's the Passover meal. It it didn't happen till dusk. I mean, why are you adding that? And Bishop Sheen has a beautiful comment on this. He said, it is always night when we turn away from the Lord. Well said. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. So when we turn away from him, we are turning to the darkness. And it is night. It is only in Christ that we can see the light. Question, my love. When G- Jesus says, amen, amen, throughout the Bible, yeah. isn't that a listen up type? Yes, it's something serious. Something very serious. This is solemn. This is solemn. Open your ears, open your eyes, open your heart, because this is extremely solemn. It it seems like it's not only in John, Mark, other uh, verse. It says that too. In in other places in the in the Gospels, it it said this. This was a a very. If if he says Amen, Amen, listen up. We better listen, and and if we can't hear it, if we're not getting it, if it doesn't seem important to us. Ask the Lord to open your heart. Ask the Lord, open our hearts so that we do understand the seriousness of this. Yes, amen. Amen, amen. (laughs) Amen, amen. So when Judas left, interesting comment here. What does Jesus say? He says, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself and will Mm. glorify him at once. Wait a minute. What's going to happen the next day? And Jesus knows it full well. 
The cross? Jesus, are you saying that the cross is your glory? Hmm. That the cross, that in the cross God is glorified? How can this be? To us it doesn't make sense, does it? But do we think God's thoughts? Are we asking for God to open our eyes to see? You know, we shy away from suffering, don't we? Of course. As a matter of fact, you know, atheism is not an intellectual position. Atheism is not a philosophical system. Atheism is a cry of wrath. Mm. I will not believe in a God who will allow this kind of suffering. Okay? And as a matter of fact, there's only one thing that gives a militant atheist any sanity, and that is that God exists because it's insane to militate against what doesn't exist. So if you're militating against the existence of God, the only thing that gives you sanity is that God exists. But, but it's a cry of wrath. And here's the deal. We don't like the suffering. We wanted Jesus to come and eradicate the suffering. And in some sense, that's what the Jews were expecting too. You know, Mary, because this is Holy Week, right. this is we call the week that changed the world, we're going to be experiencing what Jesus experienced uh, with the Easter Trinium right. and uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And so it seems appropriate, uh, you know, for this Bible study to talk about, you know, the passion. Right. And I would just encourage all of us, including me and you, to spend some quiet time Amen. reading from God's Word and reflecting on this and not have the distractions. I think... Um, you know, there's going to be times where the churches are going to be open during Holy Week more than normal. Right. And I think there's penance services. And if you haven't gone to confession, both of us would encourage you uh, to find a, a, a penance service because I don't think they're going to have them. Usually it's not common. Uh, not during Holy to, Week, but yeah. there are possibly parishes that still have confessions have this week. St. Lawrence Ruiz Parish in Walnut has confessions before the 7 a.m. Mass and 7 p.m. Mass every day. And they have the 7 a.m. Mass and the 7 p.m. Mass today. Well, 7 p.m. today now, because it's Tuesday already. Almost, it's midday. (laughs) And then tomorrow, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And the priest hears confession 15 minutes before all the daily Masses. Beautiful. That's in their bulletin. It was there this week, because someone called me and asked me. So I looked it up, and it's still there. So yes, the the opportunity to go to confession. And if there's not a scheduled confession, you know... um, most parishes say any time by appointment. So call the parish and ask for a priest to hear your confession. It's very important. Sin is what divides us from God, and it's what divides us from each other. It's sin, our own personal sin. That's what causes division. It also, and I know this is up, we're going to break in a minute or two, and we can get into our other our Bible say, but it just seems that this is such a big, important topic with Holy Week coming up, and that we have had a culture for us who have been around the last 30 or 40 years, where we kind of been poo-pooing uh, personal sin. We, we talk about, you know, the world's sin, and it's great to say, oh, yeah, those people. Social sin. But uh, an examination of conscience, I mean, we have the little Roman Missal from, sun, from our Sunday visitor or from Scepter Press. Uh, but find yourself on the Internet an examination of conscience. The Fathers of Mercy have a really good one. They do. And I think it's a really good thing to at this Holy Week to just look and make a general confession. Absolutely. A general confession where you go reveal your whole life. Yeah. And um, just just advice. Yeah. When we come back, what are we gonna do? We're we're looking at the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter fifteen. Wow. So if you want to open up there, we're Great. and this is very very appropriate for this week. Chapter fifteen of Mark. <laughs> we'll be back with more of the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and His Church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. And welcome back. We have uh, chapter 15 in here, the Gospel of Mark. And it begins with Jesus before Pilate. And so Jesus has come before Pilate. And it's interesting. What happens here? Pilate knows that the chief priest, and I'm going to summarize, I'm not going to read it to you, but you can read it. Chapter 15 of the Gospel of Mark, read the Passion of Our Lord this week. Spend Mm -hmm. time, as Terry said, go to church, spend time praying and meditating on this. This this is real. This really happened. It wasn't make-believe. So Pilate is there. He's the governor. He's supposed to defend an innocent man. It it was not the Roman practice to put innocent people to death. As a matter of fact, it, it violated everything. It went totally against what everything they believed. An innocent person should be exonerated. So they bring Jesus, and he knows they brought him out of jealousy. They, he knows that Jesus is innocent of everything they're accusing him of. So he, he's trying to placate them. He's trying not to make a riot. And so he realizes he's not going to get anywhere with the chief priests and the Sanhedrin. So he goes to the people. He's going to get around him. He's going to go to the people and says, okay, you know, every year I, I, you, you ask me to release a prisoner. So who do you want me to release? Your king? You want me to release your king? But of course, the chief priests and the Pharisees have already spread themselves through the crowd and said, when he asks, you tell him you want Barabbas. You want Barabbas. And so they shout for Barabbas. And it's like, oh, Pilate, come on. So Pilate is there and he's not, this is wickedness. I mean, this is just extreme wickedness. 
He is a coward. He refuses to stand for the truth because he's afraid. He has the power. He's the Roman governor. And, you know, that applies to all of us today when we come to the truth of the gospel and we say, well, you know what? I might look, I might stand out as being odd in our culture, but you know what? That's what we're called to do. You know, back in the 1960s, you had these hippies and they were anti-cultural people. Right. Yes. Well, guess what? We Christians now, the, the, ta- the tables have been turned. Right. We're the cultural right. you know, crazies right. because we believe in objective truth. Right. But I'm just saying that in this gospel reading, it reminds me to never stay quiet when it comes to speaking the truth of the gospel, even if it means someone ridiculing me, because um, I'm not here to please people. I want to please God. That's all. Exactly. And that's, that's the crux of it. We yeah. have to do what is right before God. Amen. And we have to stand against the lies of the culture. That's right. And uh, Terry, Terry and I have seen the movie Unplanned, and I'm sure you've talked about that in the last segment with Father Frank Pavone. But it's interesting, if you watch carefully, what is everything that Abby did in Planned Parenthood based on? It's a lie. She lies to everybody about everything, and she has to. Why? Because Planned Parenthood is murdering children. And what did Jesus tell us about the devil? He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. The lying and the murdering go together. Mm-hmm. And when you're committing murder, you lie to cover it up. And that's it, it, But we have to stand against this culture of death. And the culture of death is not just abortion. The culture of death is an entire pleasure culture that says, it's about me and about my pleasure. And whatever feels good to me is okay. It. So it's not, and it's not just contraception. It's not just abortion. Mm-hmm. It's any place where I excuse myself from following the laws of God because it doesn't feel good for me to follow the laws of God. And this culture of death has infected all of us. And we need to really look and examine our lives and see where. And then we need to ask ourselves, where are we being dishonest? Where are we being cowards like Pilate? And that was well, your that, point, Terry. That's my point. Where, where are we being cowards? I, I try to abl- apply the scriptures into my own life. How is it applying to me? Right. And uh, boy, that hit me right between the eyes. Right. And, and how am I being a coward? And how am I not being faithful to the Lord? Because I'm afraid of what other people are going to say. And that's what we need to step away from. We need to really be strong. So Pilate, is a, he can't get to him. They're asking for Barabbas to be released. Um, so what am I supposed to do with Jesus? Well, crucify him. It's real simple. Just kill him because that's what the chief priests want. So Pilate orders Jesus to be scourged. And again, the scriptures don't describe to us what that means. So we go to history and we look into history to find out what it meant for the Romans to scourge someone. He's flagellated with the, what's called the cat of nine tails. So it's a little whip that has nine strands of leather attached to it. And on the end of each strand is a piece of metal or bone. It's designed to tear the body apart. They don't care. The person who, you couldn't, what's interesting is Pilate hasn't yet condemned Jesus to death definitively. Mm. And yet the Jews are crying for him to be crucified. Pilate has Jesus scourged, and he's hoping that by having him scourged, when they see him, they'll have pity on him when they, once they see him scourged. But the reality is the Romans weren't allowed to scourge a man who wasn't already condemned to death. Mm. So even though Pilate hadn't, explicitly condemned him to death he's he's giving in he's capitulating he's giving into his weakness and his cowardice 
and he's hoping that somehow I don't have to make the decision. And how many times do we do this in our life? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to make the decision. I want someone else to make the decision for me. And by not making a decision, we have decided. That's right. And that's what Pilate does here. And it's it's a trick that, you know, our whatever, our weakness plays Can't on us. Can't that be like we call sins of omission? Exactly. Exactly. We were supposed to speak up. We were supposed to defend somebody. We were supposed to do something kind for someone. And we were afraid and we omitted to do it. Yep. And, and sometimes we just don't make a decision. It's like we get caught between, well, if I do it, this is going to happen. If I don't do it, this is going to happen. And I can't decide and I don't know what to do. And, and then the, the moment passes. And we didn't decide either way. Yeah. And we feel like, well, we, we didn't really decide. We're not responsible for it. You know, we are responsible. We are. The very fact that I didn't make a decision was a decision. Sure. And so they scourge him. And the scourging was not very pretty. And after they scourged him, they crown him with thorns. The soldiers make fun of him. They mock him. I mean, as far as they're concerned, if Pilate ordered this man to be scourged, he's a condemned man. We can do whatever we want to him. Because if he dies right here, not a problem. Mm-hmm. He's already condemned. So they crown him with thorns, and they're making fun of him. They're just mocking him. And St. Jerome had something interesting to say there. Mm-hmm. His ignominy has blotted out ours. His bonds have set us free. His crown of thorns has won for us the crown of the kingdom. His wounds have cured us. And of course, this is, St. Jerome knew the scriptures very well. He's echoing here the prophet who says, by his wounds we are healed. We thought of one, him, we thought of him as one who was rejected by God and, you know, rejected by the people and smitten by God. And yet it was by his wounds that we are healed. And so a whole, um, St. Escrivere in his meditation on the third sorrowful mystery of the rosary said, you and I, haven't we crowned him anew with thorns and struck him and spat on him? Whenever we sin, we're participating in the mockery of Jesus that he suffered during his passion. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, he has mercy on us. He doesn't condemn us. He wants us to repent of our sins. So they place on him the cross and they lead him out. And as they lead him out, they realize he's grown weak. He's lost a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. And so they, they compel, it says in the gospel, they compel Simon of Cyrene to take up the cross and follow. Now, Simon is coming in from the fields. He probably doesn't even know what's going on in Jerusalem. He's coming in from the fields. The next day is a, a, a Sabbath. He's got to get in before sundown. And he's walking by, and the soldiers grab him and say, you're going to take this guy's cross and carry it after him. And it's like, whoa. And, and, and in Isaiah, it says, I went to those who were not looking for me. I was found by those who sought me not. So Simon wasn't looking for Jesus, and yet Jesus was looking for Simon. And so the Cyrenian carries the cross after Jesus. And there's a commentary here. At times the cross appears without our looking for it. It is Christ who is seeking us out. And if by chance before this unexpected cross, which perhaps is therefore more difficult to understand, your heart were to show repugnance, don't give it consolation. And filled with a noble compassion, when it asks for consolation, say to it slowly, as one speaking in confidence, heart, heart on the cross, heart on the cross. And so it's not always the cross. It's not always the, you know, sometimes the sacrifices that we choose, they're difficult, 
But it's the ones that we aren't looking for that are the most difficult. It's the one that comes upon us without our being aware of it. And then, and then we need to give ourselves to the Lord and say, like Jesus did in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. And so oftentimes when these unexpected crosses come up, we say, mm-hmm. Lord, you got to be kidding me. Not this, please. But then be willing. And Jesus in the, in the garden said, not my, you know, Father, if it's possible, let this chalice pass me by. Right. But then he says, not my will, but thine be done. So Christ bears the burden of the cross, but we have to help him carry it by accepting the difficulties and contradictions which divine providence permits us. In this way, we grow in holiness. And at the same time, we're atoning for our faults and sins. So when we accept the crosses, toils, and disappointments of life and offer them in union with Jesus, we grow in holiness, we look more like Christ, and we can atone for our sins and the sins of others too. And so Simon helps Jesus carry his cross, and we too are supposed to pick up our cross daily and follow him. Can I interrupt, Mary, because I think of what Our Lady of Fatima, I've always said this for years, said about souls that are going to hell, yeah. that we they go to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices for those souls. And so each one of us listening right now can be participating in the work of the mission of the church for the salvation of souls by our actions, by offering up our suffering for the souls in purgatory, right. for souls that are sinners right now, that are, you know they're not living a God-centered life. Right. And so there's no reason for anybody to be sitting on the bench right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can all participate. Absolutely. And, you know, little prayers, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, we love you, save souls. Or for the unborn, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, we love you very much. We implore you to spare the lives of the unborn babies whom we have spiritually adopted who are in danger of abortion. And and recently a priest said to me, he said, take all those babies who have been aborted Mm -hmm. and consecrate them to the sacred heart of Jesus through the immaculate heart of Mary and the faithful and compassionate heart of St. Joseph. So, Lord Jesus, we take all the babies who have died through abortion and we consecrate them to your sacred heart through the immaculate heart of your mother and the faithful and compassionate heart of St. Joseph. Because we can't always stop all the evils in the world, but we can turn all the evils in the world over to the Lord, unite them with Christ crucified. God didn't make evil. He didn't make sin. But he can bring good out of it. He wouldn't Amen. allow it if he couldn't bring a greater good. So when we do penance, when we pray for sinners, and we can pray for the mothers and fathers, you know, the women who they say they talk about a woman's right to choose, the reality is women aren't given a choice when they go to a, an abortion clinic. They are sold, they are coerced, and they are intimidated through fear to have an abortion. Right. This is the only solution to your problem. No, it's not a solution at all. So when we come back, we'll talk more about the passion of our Lord and how it applies to our life today. And, and again, this is Holy Week. Let us enter into this and let's read these passages and spend time with our Lord and his suffering. Amen. Without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. That's what Bishop Sheen said. We'll be back with more on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and His Church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back. And it's interesting here now. We go on and they get to, um, they get to the place of the skull outside of the city, Golgotha, and they crucify Jesus. And they, the soldiers cast lots for his garments, which had been foretold by the prophet. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that Mark tells us, and Mark is the only one who says he was crucified at the third hour. So that's where we get that he spent, you know, was it three hours on the cross or six? Well, in Mark's gospel, it says he was crucified at the third hour and he dies at the ninth hour. That's six hours. That's six hours. But what do we have here? Where is he crucified? And of course, the inscription over him is, you know, he is guilty because he is the king of the Jews. Uh, the Jews weren't very happy that Pilate wrote it that way, but we find out from, you know, another gospel account. But that's what they had accused him of. And so he's setting himself up as a king. So he's setting himself up in opposition to Caesar. So if you if you don't kill this man, if you don't put him to death, Pilate, then you're putting yourself in opposition with Caesar. So, And they crucified him between two robbers. Well, that's interesting. And one on his right and one on his right, left. And I want to read to you what St. Jerome says about this. And this is really... Um, <laughs> sobering, extremely sobering. St. Jerome says this, positioned between the two evildoers, the truth, that is referring to Christ, the truth with a capital T, places one on his left 
and one on his right, as will be the case on the judgment day. So we see how distinct the end of similar sinners can be. One precedes Peter into paradise, the one on the right. The other enters hell before Judas, the one on the left. A brief confession, the good thief, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A brief confession brings life, a momentary blasphemy. If you are the son of God, save yourself and us too is punished with eternal death. So St. Jerome is saying that Jesus' own death here on the cross is a prefigurement of the last judgment, that those on his left will go to hell and those on his right will go to heaven for all eternity. I want to ask you a question, Mrs. Barber, the (laughs) the biblical scholar here. I've been reading a lot of scholars today in my lifetime who say that, you know, hell— Really, there isn't anybody there. But St. Jerome probably wouldn't go along with that teaching today, would he? I don't think he would. What do you tell people who say that, you know, we can hope that? And didn't St. John Paul II say something about this? St. John Paul II said something about that. He he said, you know, dare I hope that there's no one in hell? He said, there's a part of me that would like to entertain that hope, but I cannot. Nope. And why can I not entertain that hope? Because to do so is to deny the scriptures. Amen. So for those who say they dare hope that there is no one in hell, according to St. John Paul II, you are denying the scriptures. So, yeah, it's sobering. It's sobering, and and that's the reality we have to wake up to. There's the real possibility that we could deny God for all eternity and end up in hell, end up rejected, and end up separated from him forever on a practical level uh, if there's nobody going to hell why should i live a christ-centered life if everybody is going to heaven you see why the consequences of that statement and i know that you theologians like to think in lofty things but i'm more of a practical guy uh I just see this as a insidious teaching, okay? I really do. Well, here's the deal. Theologians like to dance around. They like to speculate, and they like to come up with new ideas and nuances. And you know, But the problem is, all ideas have consequences. Mm. And it is true. The the consequence of the idea that I I would hope that there's no one in hell is that, well, it really doesn't matter what I'm going to do because in the end, God's going to save us all and get us all into heaven. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how I live here and now. And that's just plain false. That's categorically false. That rejects the evidence of Scripture. It rejects what Christ taught us when he lived. It rejects the hard gospel that I have to give up my sins, take up my cross daily, and follow Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And first of all, follow him in giving up sin, eradicating sin from my life. So yeah, I you know that and theologians do they they dance around and they like to come up with fancy ideas, but. Let's stick to what the church teaches. Last time I looked, there's no expiration date on this Bible. There is no expiration date on this Bible. Okay, so let's go with the biblical teachings, I think. Amen, amen. And so he's hanging there on the cross between two thieves. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, obviously he's wicked. He's with two wicked men. And, and the, the thieves were both thieves, so, but one of them's going to end up in heaven and one's going to end up in hell because of their attitude toward Christ. And their, the, the good thief ends up in heaven because he accepts Christ. The he bad stole thief, heaven? 
He stole heaven. St. Dismas? The greatest, the, greatest, um, <laughs> the, the greatest theft of his life. I love it. At the last moment, he steals Amen. heaven by acknowledging the, yeah. Jesus Christ. It's and never by too late, huh? Asking for forgiveness. It's never too late. Yeah. Never too late. And ask Jesus for forgiveness. Amen. He can forgive you anything. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you've done. So the chief priests and the, the people are making fun of him. Come down from that cross. Come down and then we'll believe in you. They don't really want to believe in him. Their hearts are already hardened against him. And it's not, they're not looking for faith. And faith is a gift from God. And God's only going to give it to those who are sincere of heart. And by the way, that God exists is not an article of faith. That God exists is a self-evident truth that's evident to our human intellect unaided by faith. So the existence of God is not an article of faith. You don't need faith to know it. But you do need faith to know who God is in his essence, in his own interpersonal life, and the fullness of what he has done for us in salvation. Those you need faith for. But the the scribes and Pharisees weren't looking for faith. They had blinded themselves to the truth. And they didn't want to know the truth because they didn't want to accept what Jesus was preaching. And so Jesus himself is not going to come down from the cross. He's in tremendous pain but he's going to complete the work that the father has entrusted to him. So he teaches us about suffering here, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Suffering is our best and richest treasure. Our Lord did not win the victory from the throne with a scepter in his hand. No, but by opening his arms on the cross, a Christian who like any other person will experience pain and sorrow during his life should not flee or rebel against it, but offer it to God as the Lord Jesus did. So we want to offer our sufferings in union with Jesus so that they become redemptive and they become a means to make us like him. Jesus Christ, again, did not come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. All of our suffering has meaning. God did not make sin. He did not make evil. He did not make suffering, but he can use all of that as a means to help us to be humble and to bring us into a closer union with him because when we recognize sin in our life, when we recognize evil in our life, when we recognize the suffering in our life as a deprivation that wouldn't have existed had we done God's will perfectly, then we can give that to the Lord as our weakness. And in our weakness is his power brought to perfection. Even in suffering, but also the little flower, didn't she say something about drinking a cup of water? About honoring God? Right. We, if we, if we do all of our actions in, in obedience to God's will. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, we have a body. Yeah. God made that body. Without the water, our body, we'll, we'll, we will die faster from dehydration than from starvation. Absolutely. It takes longer to starve a man to death than to dehydrate him. But nonetheless, we need both food and water. So if we eat and drink what we eat and drink in, in order to obey God Mm -hmm. and to take care of the body that he has given us, the body, by the way, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then they become supernatural acts. This drinking of the glass of water becomes a That's a game changer, honey. It is a game changer. Our whole life can be supernatural. How many people live without God and don't even realize they're in hospitals right now suffering thousands of souls? Right, right. And nobody told them about redemptive suffering? Yes, we need to be out there telling people about Bishop Sheen said, you know, our hospitals become like nuclear power, plants. spiritual nuclear power <laughs> plants. 
giving grace to the entire world. If yeah. all of this, you said there's so much wasted pain out there. Don't waste the pain. Unite it with Jesus crucified. In every action of your life, don't waste it. It's not like what you see in the movies. It's not like what you see on social media. God is in every aspect of our life. He is concerned about every moment of our life. There's nothing in our life that escapes him. God writes the world the way men write books. Everything in this world speaks to us of God. Everything in our life mm. speaks to us of God. Praise God. Even our weakness, yeah. because it speaks to us of his tremendous love and that he desires to help us. And you know what? Mm. He's attracted to our weakness. Don't be afraid of your weakness or ashamed of it. Give it to the Lord and embrace it. So you're telling me, Mary Danielle, that every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. So grandma, who's suffering right now, is doing apostolic work for Holy Mother of the Church by offering her suffering right now for, Absolutely. Church, for salvation Absolutely. of souls. And that little boy and that little girl right. who are doing their daily duty with their homework, yep. that's pleasing Jesus, that isn't it? That pleases Jesus. And I'll leave you the final thought that I want to say is that if God stopped thinking about you, you would cease to exist. That's how powerful our good God is. Absolutely. That's how powerful God is. And that's how much he loves us. Yep. And so a darkness comes over the land from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. And this darkness here was not just a normal darkness. The whole horizon, every, as far as people could see, was dark. But it was dark with a darkness that was frightening. The, the, um, the sun shone at midday, and the moon became blood red. And St. Jerome says of it that this darkness is an expression of the morning of creation. Creation is looking upon what man has done to our creator, and creation is ter- horrified by it. And St. Origen, I mean, not or, not St. Origen, Origen unfortunately had his problems, but he did re- write some very good things. And what he says here about this darkness is this darkness is a spiritual darkness. And not only the Jews who crucified Christ and rejected the Messiah, but anyone, this darkness represents anyone. This is what happens when we reject God. We will end up in darkness. And that darkness can be eternal if we don't repent. So we don't want to end up in that eternal darkness. Amen. I want to say a happy birthday to Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI. He's 92 years old today, so say a little prayer for him. we come back, we got Patrick on the line out in Kansas. We'll be back with more on the Bible with the Barber. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady, 
Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. We have Patrick in Kansas City, our good friend. Patrick, welcome to the, I can say Terry and Jesse show, but Patrick, <laughs> welcome to the Bible with the Barbers, my brother. Hey, how you doing? Hey, uh, I'm blessed. What's on your mind, my friend? Uh, I don't know if you remember me, Mary Daniel. Oh, but, yeah. uh, my wife and I were out a couple of Thanksgivings ago, and yep. we uh, sure. we came by the studio just to see you guys record. And uh, yeah. and I said, hey, is there anything we can do to help? And uh, she said, yeah, go out and grab the vacuum out of the car and vacuum the studio. <laughs> <first."> so, <laughs> that sounds like a thank you. Thank you. Do that. Great. Really thank you, Patrick. Do that. And, and, thank you. and you guys have really been an inspiration in both my wife and my life. And so Please thank come. you very much thank for you, what Jesus. you do. Um, so anyway, I, I was having a conversation with a Protestant a few days ago, and, and this particular scripture comes up oftentimes when when they're talking about once saved, always saved, mm-hmm. and this and that. And, and so I, I, I brought up the need for, you know, repentance. Right. Uh, but let me ask you if, if I if I use this in the future, if I'm doing this the right way, hopefully, hopefully this will draw out some need for showing this piece of scripture where the man... Uh, who is the thief, uh, who is the one Jesus Christ takes into uh, uh, Mm -hmm. paradise that Mm -hmm. day. Uh, He spends more time talking about repenting of his sin and that his crime is Mm -hmm. just, or his crime is is serious and the penalty is just. Mm -hmm. He spends more time doing that than he shows, uh, you know, uh, saying that uh, Jesus is Lord. So here we have an example of the first confession, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. Jesus can do as he wills uh, to save uh, a person, but this is a special circumstance. But the normative means would be uh, repenting of your sins and being baptized. And so I tried to explain that to this particular Protestant who was a former Catholic, and I oh. said, you know, um, the normative means would be for us to repent of our sins and become baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we have an example of the man on the cross who confesses that he's guilty of his sin first, right. rather than, you know, uh, just being 
once saved, always saved. I'm not sure if I'm using the phraseology sure. correctly, but what do you think about that? That sounds great, and it's true. I mean, what you said is absolutely true. First, you know, first he acknowledges the Lord as Lord. He says to the one, thie- you know, the other thief, "Have you no fear of God, seeing you under the same sentence?" And then he turns to Jesus and says, "Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom." Yeah. You know that we seeing that we are under the same sentence, and he says, "We deserve what we're getting. We've committed a crime. This man is innocent." So he confesses the. Jesus Christ is Lord. He confesses the innocence of Jesus, and you're right. He confesses his own guilt, and then yeah. he asks to be remembered. And you're right. It's, it, I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, he's confessing his sins. And yeah, the normal means would be baptism, but Jesus doesn't baptize him. He goes, like, oh, oh, let me baptize you now. He can't. So how is the thief getting into heaven? He's suff- Now he's uniting everything he's doing to Christ on the cross, and he's shedding his blood no longer just because of his crimes. He's shedding his blood in union with Jesus Christ in witness to who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, I mean, witness to wow. Jesus is innocent of his crimes. Exactly. And so many times I think people, well, you know, Protestants, they skip over this very important part. Absolutely. Uh, that there is a confession, there's a confession and yeah. an acknowledgement right. of his of deep, sin. You know, uh, his sin and his right. need for repentance for that sin. Yeah. And the acknowledgement that Christ is innocent of everything. Right. And, I, and that, that, that's a beautiful, only. beautiful insight, yeah. Patrick. Patrick, I, I just want to make one comment to your brother. You see, yeah. that's mercy because he, he asked for repentance. Yeah. We have yes, a lot of fake mercy going around right now where people think yeah. that, I don't have to ask for forgiveness. Jesus yeah. died on the cross, yeah. and he's going to let yeah. me in, and everybody goes to heaven. Right. You know what, Patrick? As you know, that's not the case, because guess what happened to the one on the other side? He didn't yeah. go to He didn't repent. He didn't repent. And, and he Oh, you are so right, man. I, I have... I have because of Mother Angelica, I yeah, am a firm believer in going to confession, and my, my goodness, good job. I practically need it every week. I mean, That's so good. I, right. I've got to go. You Get know? the graces. Uh, but, and you can tie into that. You can tie into that that the, the Lord did say, you know, take up your cross daily and follow me. Mm. So, yeah. you know, and then and then again, he, you know, at, at John 20, we're at the, at the day of resurrection when he breathes on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. And oh wow, that that calls to mind one more question. Sure. What's that? Sorry. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, John chapter twenty yep. and cool. Genesis chapter two, where God breathes out the Holy Spirit. Is that the only two places, or is there another where God breathes out the Holy Spirit? Think about Spirit? that one, huh? You know, Patrick, I, I that one I Google can't answer right off right off the spot. I'll have to look that one up. Next but I'm, Tuesday, we'll yeah. get you an answer. Yeah. We'll have to okay. Try and okay. remember that. I just used that one the other day speaking to another Catholic, so I, I kind of explained to her where confession comes from, and how, how the breathing out of the Holy Spirit in the gospel, or in the, uh, uh, the account of Genesis chapter Oh, two, there are other places. God gives life to Adam, yeah. it gives life to his body, Adam, but the second time yeah. that Jesus Christ himself breathes out the Holy Spirit, yeah. it gives the possibility of eternal life. That's right. In the forgiveness of sins. That's, That's right. beautiful. That's where we get yeah. uh, the Absolutely. confession. One has to do with the body, and one has to do with the Spirit. Well said. Beautiful. Well said, Patrick. Very good. Hey, listen, I, I know you're out in uh, Kansas. Jesse and I are going to be out there, I think, the 25th of May. So I hope that we can, uh, I think we're going to be in, what city is that? Uh, where they have a secular radio station playing our show. Kansas wow. City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. How far Kansas away is that from you, Patrick? 
Not far. We're uh, within probably 10, 15, 20 minutes of that. Okay, well, we're going to be there on the Sunday. I think it's the 26th of May. I'd love to see you there. Jesse and his wife will be there. I'll be there. I'm going to a wedding on the 25th, and then we're giving some talks the following Sunday that, with the 26th. Hope to see you there, Patrick. Well, I'm going to buy tickets for my pastor. All right, brother. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for your call, Patrick, and keep Thank us you. in your prayers. Okay. Thank you again. God, okay, God, God bless. bless you. You bet. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you, Patrick, for that call. And so then we have Jesus on the cross, and he cries mm-hmm. out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is not a cry of despair. This is the first line of Psalm 22. I encourage everyone to read Psalm 22 in mm. its entirety. Psalm 22 is a confession of the fidelity of God in the midst of tremendous suffering. It describes, it describes the suffering of, it describes the sufferings of, the, of our Lord on the cross. Read mm-hmm. Psalm 22. This is not a cry of despair. He wasn't in despair. He is suffering, but he wants everyone to know, you know, number one, yes, I am really suffering. This isn't, um, you know, some people would say, oh, well, he was just putting on a show. He, there's that, there's heresies out there, you know. He didn't really suffer. He was just pretending, whatever. No, his <laughs> human break. nature really suffered. Is he really suffered in his human nature. He sweat blood. Exactly. Do you know what it takes to sweat blood? Oh, tra- I mean, traumatic. all you nurses out there who work in the emergency room, how many times have you seen a patient sweating blood? You have to be in extreme stress. It can really happen. The doctors describe this. Yeah, they call a real it, me- forget the term. There's a medical condition and yeah. they, they, you know, but the reality is that he was in so much stress. And what is it? His human nature recoils from the suffering. That's natural. It's natural for human nature to recoil against the suffering. Of you know, if, if you get a pan hot, a pan of hot water hot, and you throw a frog in it, you think he's going to sit there and take it? He's going to jump out. We're human. If we're suffering, it's, we're going to feel it. Christ felt it. It was real. He really had a human nature, and he really felt the suffering. But he was willing to endure it in obedience to the Father's will for love. This is the whole point of his passion is love that the, the tremendous love of God poured out for us in Christ Jesus, who is both priest and victim. Mm-hmm. He offers himself. Every priest is ordained to offer sacrifice. Christ is the high priest of the new covenant, the new and eternal covenant. And he offers himself to the father as expiation for our sins. And he really suffers, but he as priest and victim And he wins for us through his suffering, the forgiveness of our sins and the ability to love again. Mm. When we're in darkness and sin, we can't really love because we're not free. We're slaves of sin. We have to be free to love. And so we want to learn to enter into this love of our Lord. And yes, this love of our Lord means to share his suffering. It's not going to be easy. It's going to hurt. It's going to cost us, you know, and are we willing? Are we willing to enter in? And that's, we need to pray for that grace. And that's why, remember, mm-hmm. in the garden, they said, you know, Jesus says to his apostles, watch and pray that you may not be put to the test. So we need to watch and pray so that we too can enter into Christ, suffering and persevere. Pray for the grace of final perseverance. We have to ask for it. Ask for it every day. And so Jesus, when he cried out, then they take, someone takes a sponge and they soak it in sour wine and they bring it to him. Sour wine, vinegar, vinegar is sour wine. Sure. And they have him drink it. And then he said, you know, it's, it's after that that he cries out and breathes his last. 
Well, remember in chapter 14 at the Last Supper when he said, I will not drink it, this, this fruit of the vine again until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. This, the great mystery of the cross. This is the coming of the kingdom in glory. His crucifixion, which of course is not an isolated incident. It's the entire Paschal mystery. But somehow it is through the cross that his kingdom comes in glory and he drinks the sour wine on the cross and then breathes forth his last. So it's tied there together. And when he breathes his last, the the veil of the temple is torn from top to bottom. That signifies, number one, that no human hand tore the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And it also signifies the end of the old covenant Mm -hmm. and the inauguration of the new, that the sacrifices of the temple of the old law are no longer needed because the sacrifice of Christ replaces them. He died once for all. And at mass, we Catholics do not believe that we're crucifying Christ again. We believe that the one eternal sacrifice of Christ is made present to us. Just as it is present in heaven, Jesus in his risen, ascended, glorified state, the lamb is before the father, still bearing his scars. The victim who immolated himself offers for all eternity his act of immolated love. And time and space don't exist at the mass Mm. because Jesus Christ is the high priest and he offers himself there. And so there we are, Jesus breathes his last, and the centurion makes an act of faith. Mm -hmm. This man was truly the son of God. And then we have the burial of Jesus, and we have that beautiful example of um, Nicodemus and, of course, Joseph of Arimathea, who comes forward, risking everything, and asks for the body of Jesus. Wow. And he doesn't worry about what anybody else thinks of him. Political correctness? No political correctness here. So let's meditate on these things this week. This is Passion Week. We want to enter into this with Jesus. And you don't have to look for suffering, people. It's there in your life. (laughs) Just offer all of our suffering in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And uh, keep us in prayer if you can make a donation. 877-526-2151. And next week, we'll be in Easter and rejoicing in the resurrection of our Lord. And up next... The Church with the Masses. Actually, it's a podcast we're going to be doing with Barbara Nicolosi. It'll be up the next day, but we're doing the filming right now. And your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.